Receiving incoming transmission. Radical Christians. What's up, Radical Christians? Today we have a special episode on Luciferianism. And who better to talk about these horrible, dark, disgusting things than fellow Daily Renegade member Brian Melvin. So this interview is going to be a hot one. Get ready. Without further ado, I present to you Lord Brian Melvin. So welcome back, Radical Christians. We have with us today Brian Melvin. Great to see you, Brian. How you doing? I'm doing great, Drew. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, I've been excited for you to come on and talk about this. I've been looking over uh, some of the notes, and this is pretty pressing. So today we're going to talk about the Luciferian agenda. So let's get right into it. What is the Luciferian agenda? Well, the Luciferian agenda began way back in the Garden of Eden, basically to get people away from obeying God's word. You know, they said to Adam, God, you know, God told Adam not to eat of the tree. One simple commandment and Luciferian agenda is to get man away from that to follow Lucifer. And so the Luciferian plan basically laid out uh, as it developed in the early 1800s and early 1900s through Madame Blavatsky and Alice Bailey and Aleister Crowley, all these, uh, Mr. Forbes, I think, uh, Mr. Ford, all these, Michael Ford, all these occultists uh, refined it. And Alice Bailey really laid out the plan for what Luciferianism is all about. It's about setting up and conquering the world and with Luciferian thought by taking over all the governments, uh, all the education system, radio, TV, she called it, media, science, everything, and religion especially, and flip it to a Luciferian agenda, which basically is to replace God's word with the devil's words, basically, and then that basically will prepare the way for the Antichrist. In other words, they have to take over everything in order for the what we call as Christians the Antichrist, their occult messiah or the sun deity, to come back and rule the world. They have to lay the foundation for that to happen. So the Luciferian agenda is just a, an idea of dominionism, which they control all everything and they'll infiltrate slowly in degrees by implanting things called seed groups throughout all society to bring about the Luciferian age, the new golden dawn. Are and basically, you know, we want to, they just, what they want to do is what she said in one of her um, writings that, and I quote, she said, we or the occultists want to bring back the, the cult messiah to defeat God. Wow. That's basically in the thing. I think Michael Ford might have said that too. I can't remember all the people who talked about this. And their whole agenda is to bring back the Antichrist. That's what we call and it fits right in with Bible prophecy and what we are seeing today and also basically the deconstruction of the Christian church. So how do they view the Antichrist? Do they think he's the biblical Antichrist? Or do they think he, what do they think about the Antichrist? They think that he's the Messiah. He's going to come back, institute new laws of freedom and basically depravity. In other words, they, that Luciferian agenda in a nutshell is what the Bible says. They will take everything that's good and flip good into evil 
and make everything morally depraved and evil into the new good so everybody can live in, as Aleister Crowley says, do as thou will. That is the whole sum of the law. And that is their agenda. And so they hook people on that lie, trying to get people to buy into it so that they will be enlightened. Um, there's a, uh, another thing here. I'm going to bring this up on my notes here. And Bailey um, talks about this. And I think this is in Alice Bailey's Letters of Occult Meditation. And I got this quote from az.com, but I think this is where it is. And she writes, A creative planning for human well-being and, and a political expression of implementing this planning will demonstrate in every country a creative thinking will be apparent which will express itself in writing and poetry, creative imaging, will produce new art, new colors, new architecture, and a new culture. And, and she calls this a creative responsiveness to the music of the fears, I'll explain that in a second, will bring forth new music. And this will be in response to the creative reorganization and newly directed energies which are engaging the intention of the planetary logos at this time. Most people, you know, their heads will spin if they read that. But what she's trying to say, she calls these planetary logos are the seven rays of light controlled by planets. In other words, this is ancient Mesopotamian, the seven gods who decree. That's exactly mm -hmm. who that is. These are the fallen wow. watchers. She calls them planetary logos. They come down as watchers to help humanity enter a new golden age. They got thwarted in the garden, of, uh, not in the garden of Eden, but in Genesis chapter six. Mm. And they want to complete that plan. And so Luciferianism is completing that plan, plan through the planetary logos, channeling rays of light, creating new art forms, new everything, in order to flip everyone away from God's creative order into theirs. Exactly what they wanted to do in Genesis chapter six. And I find it fascinating that she talks about planetary logos, and here she is channeling these spirits in 24 of her books, and these are these things talking, and they're laying out the same plan as Genesis chapter six. If you wow. sort through all the works and all that stuff, um, so that's what I find simply amazing. And it lays out a plan, and they're following it to a T. They're flipping culture, they're flipping the church, they're flipping everything into a Luciferian worldview. Not countrywide, but worldwide. That's the goal. So they bring forth this occult messiah, whoever he was back then that was squelched and put in the abyss, they want to raise him up to have him come back and rule everything. Basically, we call him the Antichrist. They call him the Messiah who who will basically defeat God, get rid of God. They basically hate the Jewish and Christian traditions and they want to get rid of us under no circumstances if they can't convert us. Wow. So you mentioned new music and new sounds. Well, what, what exactly does that entail? Well, that entails they want to change what they call frequencies of sound and vibrations. I know in one of my, I think it was not this last video, but the video I did before, um, last show I did, I talked about videos and sound and light and sound vibrations. And basically they want to change and use music and change the music as a means to produce magic, to produce a condition so people can contact the planetary Logos, if it's Saturn, if it's Venus, whoever they want to contact in here to connect with so people will get away from following Jesus, even in the church, through music. The world, are, they already own the world's music, so that's pretty, you know, you can just listen, you know, watch the, uh, I didn't watch it, but the um, Super Bowl halftime show and you'll see how they already have the world's music. Mm -hmm. And they capture that and they create vibrations and sound and basically brainwash people to think this way and act that way. So in the church, they change the frequencies and sounds 
and it's always this slow melodic one song after another hypnotic beat in a lot of places and so when people think they're having a, a, what, a supernatural experience and they are just basically hypnotized to connect with a fallen entity that brings up a, a good point that actually falls in line with what I've been looking into because I saw something about in the 70s they had the technology to be able to affect people's thoughts based on music, like like basically mind control. And then I also read in um, Russ Dizdar's book, The Black Awakening, the way that they'll split personalities when they create these like super soldiers or alter personalities, they have to be passive. They said a passive will is necessary. And these songs, they kind of promote passivity. You got it. That's, that's, that's the point that she brings out. All this stuff is that Bailey's Luciferian agenda is a high order cultist infiltrate in these groups and they take over like the things of science, military, uh, mind control, all that is programmed in how to dumb down the culture. And so are, are those the spheres of influence? Yeah, those are the spheres of influence. So they'll have the spheres of influence. She's big on education and I tell people to do this. If, if you need to pray about it, cover yourself with the blood of Jesus, download some of her PDFs, go to the PDF and type in education search and you pop it up you know like the trees on white magic or something or the uh, seven rays and you'll be amazed it'll all connect and then it will show you that they want to educate the educational system they want to educate science they want to put everything toward this goal of luciferian they want to control a population of the world to be luciferians so what are the seven um spirit or what are the spheres of influence people that don't know and we can get into each each of them if you'd like that. Okay, the seven fears, I'm just going to read something out of the Treaties on White Magic, page 114. It says, these are fears of influence, basically, I'm paraphrasing, that work through governments, through politics, through the interplay between nations. There are small groups of people who will bring this planetary logos, the influence of this stuff up from these entities into the rest of uh, the governments of the world, entertainment industry, radio, TV, education, religion, churches. So the second, she says, the second ray group who delude and deceive work through religious agencies, through mass psychology and the misuse of misapplication of devotion and of the arts. They are the largest number. The third group work primarily through commercial relationships in the business world and through the use of money. Concentrations of prana are the universal energy and the outer symbol of the universal flux and flow. These thoughts are suggestive but not vital, dealing as they do with the cosmic tendencies. But anyway, basically, it's, it's this influence to get people, even though they're hoodwinked, I call it, they, they may be innocent, but they're, they're buying into this lie of bettering, improving humanity with this new super knowledge. This is all for human good. This is for human good that we're doing this. And so they had the spheres of influence to influence what I call, what we know in the Christian terms as the seven mountain mandate. It's, it's the same thing. You take over the governments, the fears of influence in the government, education system, religion, family, business, and religion, and you take it over and you reshape it, and you take it over and you influence the culture to set up a mindset in the world that, so that therefore Jesus can come back and these elitists can, who are controlling everything can hand it back over to Jesus and say, here it is, you can come back now. We have prepared the way for you so jesus comes back and rewards them and they rule along with them in the millennial kingdom or whatever so basically the it's very it's basically the seven mountain mandate it's the actual seven mountain mandate from alice bailey in the occult world 
That's what it is. Is the seven mountain mandate what the what the quote unquote church people call it? Yeah, that's what the church people call it. And they 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 think that that's a good thing, and they kind of like hold that up as yeah. Yeah, so on my last show, on last uh, last night on Monday, this last Monday, it was, um, you know, I kind of trying to explain that. I went through, built a foundation to show that this stuff, uh, basically the occult, and then I ended it near there, in there when they, for the YouTube viewers, but ended it on that note that the Seven Mountain Mandate is the mother of, the Seven Mountain Mandate is Alice Bailey. And they had, he had a couple of modern people come on, uh, William Branham, and Sam Fife, who are very big in bringing this about. Most people don't even know about Sam Fife anymore. But they, um, but William Branham was really big into the manifested sons of God. They're going to create an elite class of Christians. They're going to bring back a super apostles and prophets and evangelists mm -hmm. and teachers that will influence society. They'll take over, I'll just say it, I'm probably just going to be honest with you. I just saw a video by at Lance Walnow, Walnow, and he was talking about how to set up apostolic hubs in which the apostolic hubs will send forth certain groups of seed groups or people into media, into the government, oh my gosh. to take it over. And I'm going, oh my gosh, he's quoting Alice Bailey. Yeah. And he's trying to sell it as some great thing. It's the same thing, the same language, it's the same words, they use the same thing. I, I type in activation, for example, in Bailey's, some of Bailey's writings, and I go, jeez, <laughs> these people are mouthing the same things as Alice Bailey, and it's incredible. Yeah, that's that's shocking. I mean, the, the music one is obvious, because mm -hmm. we could see, like, they're straight up talking about Lucifer now in the music, like, by name. So oh, that, yeah. that one's obvious, but the, the church one, it's... It gets a little more tricky and a little more deceptive when we get into what the what the church does and um, and like with I know we're going to talk about the NAR the New Apostolic Reformation. Um, you'll see people like talk about all these crazy miracles and then some may even happen. And actually, uh, Stephen Bancars made a video the other day and he, he said like you, miracles can happen and you can you can grow closer to God in that group, but there's going to be a, a point where he splits you out of there because. Because he works in spite of those people, in spite of those, you know, NAR yes. people. He'll still work with with certain people in that area, but not them as a. Am I explaining that right? Not, he, yeah, they're not correct. Yeah. correct as a whole. But yeah. So how, how does the NAR tie into this, and what is that? Well, the New Apostolic Reformation. Uh, it is basically the Seven Mountain Mandate. They believe the same thing. In fact, Bill Johnson co-authored a book in 2013 about the Seven Mountain Mandate. So. Um, I remember hearing him on TV, I think it was 2015 or 16 on an interview saying he never even heard of it. So here he wrote, co-sponsored a book about it and I can send you the title for it. And it's like, wow, this is pretty weird. You know, so they want to deny it. And, but it's, it's, it's basically creating super Christians. So I'm, I'm going to bring this up if I can. Uh, so this is what they teach. They, they, they're going to bring the greatest revival the church has ever known. The greatest baptism the spirit has ever experienced, the greatest army called Joel's army, will be invincible. They'll have the greatest purging, the inquisition inside the church in history, because they got to get rid of all the doom and gloomers and naysayers. They want a civil war in the church. Wow. Um, the greatest ministry, the prize of the ages, they want, which are consist of greatest miracles, supernatural signs and wonders, far exceeding the apostles and prophets of old. 
This is from Joel's army. I can send you this PDF if I didn't send it to you already. Um, so that's basically what the New Apostolic uh, thing is about, is to create a Superman race of Christians who can just, you know, lightning bolts, they'll just, they'll raise the dead. They'll do this. They'll be so mighty and powerful that Jesus can come back and the world will be converted to Christ and get rid of the opposition, which are people who believe in the Bible. And wow. they want new revelations. In other words, Bill Johnson, uh, in a nine-minute video clips, said that it's not, what it was that one little quote I quoted in there, but not the whole thing, thing. he said that, um, it's not God, the Holy Spirit, and Holy Bible, is it? You know, he's talking about in the book of Acts, they didn't have the Bible, they had revelation. And so the Bible's good, but we need re revelation. He goes, it was, is the perfect thing of cultic gaslighting I've ever heard. Nine minutes worth of all these people were just going on, clapping and getting excited. Sounds so great, but it was pure gaslighting. The Bible's okay, but then slowly gets away and cuts down the Bible. Then he exonerates the Bible, cuts it down some more, exonerates it. Then he he wants the, so the NAR wants to make create new apostles with new visions because they didn't have the Bible in the Book of Acts, which is a lie because they used the Bible. Paul uh -huh. reasoned in the Scriptures daily. You have the Apostle Peter quoting from the Bible, and so yeah. So anyway, that was the Old Testament. So. Yeah. So these people, you know, they say, we need a new move of the Spirit. We need to connect with the, with the Spirit. So suddenly it's not the Holy Spirit. The phrase is you need to connect with the Spirit. Then you'll hear them saying that now it's not the Spirit. We need, to, we need the presence of God to manifest. So we need the presence. And then all of a sudden, um, you need to connect with angels. Oh, man, right? there it is. Angel, you know, just as Alice I... Bailey said in there to connect with these, <laughs> connect with these Planetary Logos, the fallen angels, the fallen watchers are their, their, their cohorts or whoever, whatever they are. Connect with them and their minions and connect with them. They'll lead you and God. You don't need the Bible. You don't need... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's... There's a reason why every time someone interacts with an angel, they direct them to God. They tell them, don't worship me, look at him, uh -huh. the good ones. And then all the bad ones, they'll sit and talk with you for a while. They'll give you revelation. They, they, they never leave. <laughs> yeah. Man, and, and that's, yes, that's in these churches, people can get saved. In cult groups, people can get saved, and um, and all. And you can actually see some, some really, you know, like I can use these people even to to do some miracles and actual healings. True, just like Steve Bancart said to you, and it's amazing. But um, then there's the false signs and wonders to deceive the people, and so all of a sudden, the people are chasing after the signs and wonders, and nobody checks them. So uh, when I had this happen to me, uh, when I had actual gold dust come out of my suit jacket, I was offended by it because I tell people, because you know, the Lord blessed me in puberty to have bad dandruff. I shook my head; it, <laughs> it just flew out. So I was, I was freaking out. I was trying to get the stuff off me. It came out of my suit jacket, so I decided to put my suit jacket up, and it still came out. So I just packed it up and tried to uh, in a bag and it disappeared and figure what this stuff was and i noticed that when this happens to people people get really heady with it they get real proud like they're sucked in and all of a sudden it kind of dawned on me somebody was doing some witchcraft trying to get me into the party line oh they were trying to to to, to bait you into focusing yeah. on that sign 
yeah, and go with what they teach about it. Then all of a sudden there are these angel feathers. And so I go, well, you know, a lot of people have been caught. They've been manufacturing angel feathers, but the real ones <laughs> appear, you know, since I work with First Nations people, First Nations people will tell you about feather magic and, you know, and sending feathers. And I, I looked it up and I looked up the Whitkin, uh, you know, Whitkin magic, feather magic, and I go, little white feathers that they call angel feathers are indicate blessings from the moon god or the moon oh, goddess. Man. Man, it'll that... hook you, hook you into this, and you get all heady. And it's all about the signs and wonders. It's not about Jesus. It's about contacting your angel guide to get more revelations, and you forget all about Jesus. That's the end result. That's that. That's a really good, like, point that you brought up. Because a lot, of, a lot of times, you either hear that that it's from God, all these feathers and gold and oils pouring in Bibles and stuff, and then you, or you either hear that it's not real. But you bring up that, hey, it's real, but it's counterfeit. And that's a huge thing because that's how the whole New Age is. They're talking to these beings, and when they get written off by a Christian who's trying to tell them about God, when they tell them, oh, this, uh, ascended masters don't exist, but they, they've seen one, they've been in front of one, yeah. they've had heard its voice, it's like, there's real stuff that's, that's counterfeit. And man, that's really good that you said that because I, yeah. I feel like that's important because you well, you yeah. had that experience and you just you're like no this isn't this isn't good yeah just because god used something when i was growing up <laughs> to freak me out it <laughs> works in amazing ways but all glory to him but it was just i have an inquisitive mind i got to check things because something wasn't right about it that's all and so yeah some people do manifest oil out of you know they, they fake it the fakery stuff uh -huh. is more than the real but the real does happen Especially on the reservations, <laughs> I've seen too much on the reservations. So I heard something pretty, pretty funny. It was a, a statue of Jesus that w w they said sweat was dripping down from it, and it was actually, and they would like go there and kiss the feet and stuff. It was actually a busted toilet pipe, <laughs> and it was draining on the statue. Boy, that was some holy water, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's what's some of the stuff you've seen on the reservations in regards to this stuff? Oh, the feathers, uh, you know, I got some conflict with some medicine men, and so I uh, know oh, wow. it's coming, uh, some of them were coming from Mescalero, and they were sending some feathers up before I went up to uh, the northern tribes into my yard, and I kept the, the hawk feather, no matter, it always is in the same spot, it was always there, and no matter how hard the wind blow, everything else in the yard would blow away, including, including another bird that like a robin dropped a feather that would blow away but this feather would stay in one spot and they're designed to curse you so and then um, on the first nations up there in cheyenne river when we first got started they you know you'd see feathers <laughs> and manifest wow. or appear out of nowhere and we know i since i had an experience with it i know what they're doing you got to understand in the book of exodus some people say oh this stuff is just hokey well in the book of exodus the three uh occultists there were able to turn their staffs into serpents mm -hmm. and they replicated two of the plagues so there they can do stuff that would blow people's mind if you haven't seen it you know unfortunately we live in like in a very we have devalued the supernatural so much mm -hmm. in the bible that nobody knows what it is that's also a luciferian plan to devalue the bible and make everything soft and easy and acceptable where nobody is, uh, the church no longer is a watchdog, no longer warning about this stuff, no longer teaching about it, no longer calling out uh, what's happening, no longer calling out the occult works in the church like they used to. Uh, everything has to be really subtle and really easy and, and you don't believe in the supernatural and the church's law of the sleep. 
and the Alice Bailey Luciferian agenda just moves right on in, and and they're they'll, they'll be toast soon enough. Wow. So, uh, what what can you tell us about the the flipping of good and evil? Because I know that's a big thing that she focused on. Well, the Bible calls it to call evil good and good evil. In other words, you flip it. So. Um, she writes into her, well, she channels these things, and, it, and there's so much there, there's hundreds of pages, and it's just trying to give a real brief synopsis of it. It's basically to sell the idea that of fairness and love. They use love and unity and fairness, the same things that the New Apostolic Reformation emphasized and the Seven Mountain Mandate. It's justified. We need to teach unity and love. Unity and love. And so that's the agenda, to sell that, but it's actually what they're selling is really not love. It's they're basically going to cut your throat. And um, unity is unity with Luciferianism. If you're in unity mm. with God, they'll cut your throat. That's basically what it means. I mean, you call evil good. In other words, you look, you ignore the science of transgenderism, for example, and the uh, the gender dysphoria, how many of these transgender people, over 80% who had this surgery done, regret it. And there's a reason why many of them will tragically kill themselves because they realize they, who they really are and they can't make the change back. And so none of that is allowed. All it is is allowed is it's all good. You know, you got to have all the people come in and bring their religions in there. All religions are equal value, the real ecumenical type of doctrines, everything. We, we got to accept everybody, another, and Jesus is all loving, so he'll accept the Muslims. We got to mix Chrislam into this. We got to mix this. We got to mix this with Christianity. We got to, you know, it's a real ecumenical type of thing. And they blend religions and all that. So it sounds really good. They talk about um, it's okay to, in the physics of heaven on chapter two, let's see if I have that, I'm gonna bring that up here. So it's Ellen Davis, physics of heaven chapter two. She writes and kind of explain what they do here. She says in 2006, um, she found herself in Sedona, Arizona, epicenter of the new age movement. And then she decided to check it out. And she found out what she saw in Sedona, in the Course of Miracles, was so Bible. It was just, wow, the Bible's doing this. And so she didn't want to become a New Ager, she says, and it says down here, she said this, and I quote, I was familiar with the principles that whatever you see a counterfeit means the real exists, and that a lie just proves the existence of truth. So I decided to investigate what is going on and bring my scientific background and my faith in Jesus Christ into the mix of my search for truth. I decided to examine the New Age thought and practice for anything precious that might be extracted from the worthless. At that time, I could not find a single Christian leader who shared similar interest in finding out if there are any truths hidden in the New Age. Now we're beginning to hear more and more revelation that's in line with what New Agers have been saying all along. We are hearing more and more teaching about Christians taking back truths from the New Age that really belong to the citizens of the Kingdom of God. And so wow. that is what is happening. That is, is this infiltration thing that we're talking about. That's how they come and do it. They just want to bring this stuff in, bring in the occult world and flip everything into the new age movement. The same things because it works, it gets results. So that's how they kind of sell evil as good. Oh, it, it sounds right, it sounds wonderful. Oh yeah, it works. 
Seven Mountain Mandate, same thing. It's how what Madame Bolabowski and Alice Bailey is talking about taking over everything. So these guys bring in the same doctrines into the church. It sounds wonderful and great. We can do it, you know. And it's and, but it is great evil because what they do is bringing in the occult and the workings of Lucifer into the church, and then all of a sudden you're open. You have to accept uh, all types of different lifestyles that God forbids you're going to have to listen to people who, who channel from the dead with multiple thousands of trips to heaven daily and coming <laughs> back with new revelations and you're going to have you know, all this stuff and opens you up really to the workings of evil until you're basically agreeing with what is evil and it's going to destroy you in the end. Evil never comes out and says it's evil. It always tells you how good it is first and then it, then it slits your throat. It's very deceptive. So what are some of these doctrines that people are basically digging through the trash of New Age to take out? Um, one is sound and light vibrations, like we talked about. And so and quantum physics, not the quantum physics, but the Physics of Heaven book talks about light and sound vibrations, the same thing Alice Bailey mentions, implementing these light and sound vibrations that will basically be implemented in different areas, especially the Christian church, to get them into a new vibration, a new sound, so they will connect with their spirit guides. And we're seeing it happen today. And that's the passivity thing, it's to create mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah, they got, yeah, the music makes it passive, and you're receptive to it, because that's all it's designed to be, is very, make you very uh, passive and receptive. And I'll look for a quote here. Okay, in Alice Bailey's book, A Treatise on White Magic, page 66, she lists four things for the purpose of using light and sound vibrations. And the first one is to be receptive to the mind of the master. That means, you know, you connect with your, with your master. With your ma and it's referring to fallen angels or those type of or demons. To cultivate a right intuitive understanding of the thoughts sent him or to the person by the fallen angels. You know, and to get really intuitive and get, you know, basically signs and wonders going. Number three, to embody the ideas received in such form as will be suitable for those he's engaging and helping. In other words, all these angel guides are here to help you. Uh, and the real design, the real purpose of it is, is found in rule four. Through light, sound, vibration to make his thoughts from active embodying as much as the universal thought is desirable so that other minds may contact it. Thus are groups gathered, organized, and taught, and lifted, and thus the hierarchy of apps or the demons and fallen angels can reach the world and so the bottom line of the occult is to church teach bring into the church gather people in unison use light and sound vibrations so they can connect with the new revelations brought forth by fallen watchers fallen angels demons that's the whole reason for that jeez and that's at her own words out of that there's a lot more there and um man, i tell you I, I haven't seen anything like this <laughs> Oh, yeah, and she says on white in the treaties of white magic page 165 such are the majority of christians for instance in the churches these knowing not the laws of occultism and only sensing their inner truth work on broad lines of preparation they are aided by bands of lesser divas or angels who suggest guide and control so that the idea is to the light and sound vibrations to get the <laughs> majority of christians to get the inner truth of and, and to prepare them to receive the truth of luciferianism <laughs> 
Well, I wasn't seeing this today in the church, you know, I just, you know, know, I just blow that off, but we're seeing it. So one of the major things also that that we see that I wanted you to to comment on was the reducing parental authority and basically the destruction of the family unit as a whole, because that is going on now more than ever. And kids, making kids grow up super fast, like people in like seventh grade will have iPhones that they're on constantly, they don't go outside, they're trying to be, like they're trying to just act older, like independent when they're just, they're so young. It's like they're skipping childhood and going right into like late teens and then staying there and not even Mm -hmm. becoming men after. But so what's, what, what does she try to do and talk about in regards to undermining the family? So Alice Bailey answers that. Um, She wrote in Education in the New Age, near the end of the book, the necessity of the times will eventually produce a radical changes in the approach to family life, parenthood, and the training of children. And for this, a nucleus is preparing the way or can do so if faithful, attentive, and intelligent work is done. So basically what she is saying in that reference is to flip families into Luciferian thought. In other words, anything goes. They want the breakdown of the family. They don't want uh, God's order when you have a mom and a dad. They want, uh, basically, Hillary Clinton said it best. You have a village that, that trains up a child. You don't need parents. The parents are just biological, you know, they just procreate, but it takes the village. It takes the global community to raise your child. You don't need, you need the state to raise your child. You don't need the family. Look, you can have two, Heather has two mommies. You can have um, daddy has, daddy and Bob, you know, you can have, Mary and her married to her dog, you know, it doesn't matter, and that's a family. And so they destroy the family cohesiveness, so people are totally lost. When people are totally lost and have nothing whatsoever, they're ripe. Um, I'm gonna ex- try to explain this. If you look at Sam or how cults work, and how they infiltrate and stuff. It's the same principle. People are lost. They're looking for something to belong to because they don't get it in their family anymore. They don't have any, any guidance. And so the cult or a group will give them their significance and their importance and they fall right in line with it. They're so easy to control. That's basically the, the agenda. Jeez. And you really see that. You really see like the, the stats on that, like crime is severely increased in families where the, where the dad's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so here's here's some things on cults. It, cults require members to internalize a group's doctrine as absolute truth. So we have this on a worldwide scale with uh, global warming, the breakdown of the family, uh, you know, everybody's family messed up. So anybody can be a family, so the absolute truth is done away with. They use loaded languages and cliches and PC language to do it. They, they only promote good and proper thoughts as defined by the Luciferians. In other words, God is bad, mother and dad are bad, uh, two parent families are bad, but anything else goes as good and proper. And they label every other belief system as evil, wrong, and illegitimate. That's another thing that cults do. And also they reject all forms of critical thinking. In other words, you have to go with the group and do the group think. If not, you're ostracized, put down. They forbid the, any type of uh, critical questioning and everything like that. They are, um, that's what's happening. That's why they want to destroy the family. That's what they're doing inside of the families. They are just basically getting rid of the families and the family system and implementing that type of thought through the school systems and education systems and, and movies and TVs to break the family apart so there's no stability so that everyone's ripe when the Messiah comes, the occult Messiah comes, and they'll go, oh, he gives us, he's our father. He's our, 
you know, he's our provider. They're, they're, they're gullible. They swallow a hook, line, and sinker because they don't have anything. Instability Jeez. with all in life. It is a pre-designed plan to break apart the family in order to bring back this system. So does she, does like Alice Bailey, for instance, she thinks this is all a good thing. Like she, she, it, does she, is she, does she know she's doing like an evil plan or does she think that this is just the way that the, the masters want this to be? Yeah, I, I've talked to some actual Satanists and some occultists and new agers. They actually think they're doing a good thing. This is a good thing. I had one guy come up and tell me, he says, yeah, it's a good thing. We need to, we need to knock, knock off at least 5 billion people. The world's just too populated. And I go, well, what happens if you're one? Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, you know, they really think that this is a noble idea. Like, it's okay that, 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 you know, young girls and girls could go around topless. You know, why not? You know, it's like, man, you, you know, well, you know, they, you know, what's wrong with, uh, man, boy, love, you know, and what is wrong with transgender? No, you're not loving if you don't agree with us because we are all about love and unity, but you are dividing everything. We want all this out. We want to do as thou will. It's not going to hurt anybody. And they really believe they are doing the honest good. So did Bailey. Bailey thought she was doing the, the greatest good. So was Bulabowski. All these people were just tricked and duped into thinking that they were trying to bring out a universal uh, mind of man. In other words, everybody becomes their own gods, their own supermen, superwomen. And um, basically in the late 1800s or yeah, mid 1800s all the way through to the 1950s, the idea of the superman or making the uber elite was very popular. Oh, so Blavatsky popularized that. You're going to be your own gods. Uh, Bailey, popular, you know, she was big on that. You become your own gods, your own entity, your own deity. You can do as thou will. Alistair Crowley brought it out. Do as thou will. And they think that's the greatest good. But when I talked to some of these people, Drew, and mentioned that, what happens if do as thou will and someone wants to do harm to you, is that a good thing? Oh, no, they wouldn't do it because they're all Luciferians. Everybody loves each other. Oh, my gosh. God, can I slap you? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I feel like. And the thing is, you have this you have this music making people passive. Then you have them saying they could become gods. They're basically setting themselves up for demonic oppression. These spirits that don't have a body anymore. Yeah. They wish to still act out their desires. So they're going to go into this empty, passive vessel and empower them. And yeah, that's right. yeah. what you have. And I read that Bailey quote about the music. That's exactly what it's designed to do. You connect with those spirit entities and you connect with them and they inhabit you. Sounds just like too, like in Nazi days of, mm -hmm. you know, got to create that God, man. They were trying to do it genetically, but the same thing of like beyond human capabilities, beyond human understanding, this next mm -hmm. level. Yeah, that's that's right. The next level, the seven mountain mandate, the next level, the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation. The next step, the next level, we are going to have supermen Christians and, and you're going to raise the dead, your shadow, you're going to do greater than the apostles. Boy, talk about puffing your, your brain up and you're, you're so full of pride, your, your brain is filled with helium and you're lost in the clouds and you don't even know where you're going and these people think you're on power trips. They're very, in other words, they're promoting narcissism. I feel sorry for the people who get caught in this stuff and it's, it's tragic what they do and the shows they put on. Um, tragic some of the things I've just seen recently this last December in Bethel what happened there with this a tragic thing of a child dying and they were going to have an awake service and they wake this person up this little kid up and it's like uh, you know it was, it was tragic tragic did they have the body there no it was in the morgue 
Oh man, it was it was a very uh, tragic thing, and anybody who disagrees with that, you know, is 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 the enemy basically. And so you know they didn't have you know, but we're gonna keep trying. We're gonna keep trying. And this is going to happen. We're gonna be Superman. Come on, you're gonna be Superman. You're gonna be important. You're gonna be significant. I know your mothers and fathers are broken homes and all that stuff, but you're gonna be powerful and significant. Listen to listen to the leaders. Listen to your super apostles. That's straight out of Genesis. You, yep. you know you'll yep. be as gods. You'll be as gods. It's like literally word for word the same thing. It is. It's just like the like I said in the beginning of the show. The Luciferians want to get back to Genesis chapter six and finish the job. This time they want to stop Jesus from returning. They、Man. couldn't. They couldn't get him. Stop him from being born. They're going to fail. But <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember asking Gary Wayne about it, and he says that I think he says he thinks that a possibility is that they want to trip up God. They want to get him to go back on something because then if they get him to kind of. Uh, go against his word, then their punishment—they have a case that it could be like undone. Basically, he said、yeah. that's one possibility. Well, that's what I've learned. It's how deception works. It's all designed to entrap God to act contrary to His own nature, so that they can say, "Well, like we tricked you. Now we can exalt our throne above you." Man, and, and if so, they pit God's love, nature of love, against <sighs> His own nature of love. Pit, pit his justice against his own justice. Pit everything. It reminds me of inmates in the jail that I used to work with. <laughs> it reminds me of criminal minds. It's a perfect example of criminal minds. And I remember you, you said something great. I forget where I whether you mentioned. I think I saw a video of you talking about it, where you said like the the oil in the lamps of the virgins. You,、mm-hmm. you compared it like to God's love, and you said people are using God's love against each other, and they're not appreciating it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of what it is. They're kind of pitting God's love against each other. Well, you know, God loves me. I don't have to do anything. You know, He loves everybody. Then the other people say, well, you know, God's love edifies, builds up, and chastens somebody as well as you know equips you. Just basically, it's it's without our conditions in it. So the other people had the oil were. Being disciplined by the Lord, they kept their oil filled. They were always looking for the Lord. They weren't getting passive about God's love at all. They just, and the other aspect of agape, our agape love, is that you love and support the one you love. In other words, you give your full devotion to that individual. So the five wise,、uh, I call bridesmaids, were all about getting prepared for the Lord. But the lazy ones were not concerned one lick for it. They they didn't care about getting the bride ready. They didn't care about keeping oil. They didn't care about the love of God. They were trying to rest on their laurels when God comes, when Jesus comes back and says, "Oh, you'll let us into heaven. Wow, you love us. You love us. You know, you love everybody. We'll make it." And that's pitting God's love against each other. That's kind of what I was sharing on that. Yeah, that really that really stuck with me and made me realize like, okay, remember what the priority is.、Mm-hmm. You know, God and loving others. That's、mm-hmm. it. That's it. So、uh, I wanted to ask you. You mentioned、uh, off camera about your grandfather and in his writings. But before we get into that, is there anything else that you wanted to to go over before we? Well, I mean, I, I try to warn people basically what I can about the Luciferianism, and you know, just go back and listen to the shows that I did, and. I was praying about it, and someone、uh, you know, asked me, "Go, why are you using nursery rhymes?"、And、I go, "I have absolutely no idea." <laughs> I I like that. I like. And you said, "Uh, like I think you said, like Minister Candelara or something." Candela maker. Candela. Yeah. With a little picture of Saturn up there. I saw this picture of this guy up there. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It it was fun, and it was uh, it was like entertaining, and it was it. Was, 
those are always such a good method to deliver information. But uh, I liked it. I told my I told my wife last night. I was, I was laughing. I was like I was like, man, you get you get to see how he's doing this. Pretty good. <laughs> and then um, you know I, I you know I, I talking about. Um, I was going to put Matt Dillon's picture up there and Festus, but I said, yeah, that's, that's too much gun smoke. So I just decided to use the names. And it's because I did it for a purpose because, you know, they call, you know, not, you know I'm a tabby, you know, Miss Kitty. Well, you know, on there I talk about peacock feather. So I just, you know, I didn't mention the person's name, but I showed the picture up there of this person, and what they're doing, the peacock uh -huh. feathers, and how they dress in the blues and what they're actually teaching. And I didn't mention the person's name, but there's enough there yeah wow <laughs> to get the idea you know stay away from this person they're not they're not on planet earth they're, they're someplace else yeah i really enjoy your videos they... <laughs> but i have no idea the lord just i was praying about it said use nursery rhymes that's all he told me to do and i started okay <laughs> to try to get at this truth across and i warn people about what's coming down because they want to break apart the family like we said break apart society, create as much chaos as you want. That's what Luciferianism, uh, bring order out of chaos, make as much chaos so they can bring their order in, which is entire slavery to the whole human race. Basically, they're p using the human race as pawns in order to try to entrap God to go contra against himself. And then, you know, they got God. No, they're going to fail in big time. They already have. They lost it when the garden in uh, Gethsemane. They lost it when they put Jesus on the cross. They lost, the, they lost the war, so they are desperate, they're desperate. So they're trying to bring as many people down and possible and deceiving. The deception in the last days will get very intense. Jesus said it, and all these uh, seven mountain mandate people saying, we're, there's going to be a little bit of persecution, but it's all going to be better roses, it's going to be wonderful, we're going to have all these miracles. I haven't read their Bible. Jesus himself says, the very elite could be deceived. If it were possible, the very elite could be deceived. That's how deceptive this is. It's worldwide, and that's what we're seeing. And we get back, like you said, to my grandfather, which brings up this last point here that you mentioned. Now, my grandfather is the Reverend Dor Methvin. Our actual last name was Methvin, but he changed it to Melvin because nobody could say it. So he was born 1877. And so my cousin compiled a bunch of his sermons and notes and writings up. And what I find interesting about some of his writings is this was, he wrote this in February 16, 1923, just to give you an idea of what I'm saying. And he says, there are certain lines of elevated thought and culture that develop and expand the mind. This is an outline. And, he, and the next thing is, in order, order to defeat that is study the Bible. Then he goes, the next line he has, there is, there is a so-called uncultured life that dwarfs and stupefies the mind. Then he has, I don't know the quotes, but from Jukes and Eugenics. And so he was warning people, sounding the alarm as a watchman about the, the impact of eugenics was having on the church and how people were being flipped to think that eugenics was a great idea so he was coming against that then he writes in johnson city on april 26 1925 a church on the hill and it's kind of amusing he says in this church on the hill was a sunday school and in this school was a teacher that did not claim to be a christian one day god said to that teacher do you know what is written in my book if the blind lead the blind, they'll fall into the ditch, and the devil will have another big laugh. Then he goes, does this church belong to the devil or God? Can you tell the difference between honey and vinegar? And then he, then he goes on, and he tells how the, the people did not want preachers in their churches to proclaim the truth or the word of God. 
And so they started to say this, and they said to each other, have we not tried out some of the best of them in the past few years, and they are all no good. Sometimes we have tried two or three uh, for a year, sometimes three or four. You know, they are just no good, and yet they'll keep on coming to this here hole, this old church on a hill. Oh, how do they wish, oh, how do we wish they would just mind their own business and go away? And so this whole sermon is about people not wanting preaching in the church. They want to hear what they want to hear. And so in his last little quip, he says, it was at the same, at this same old church on the hill that a man met the Lord standing just outside the church door. And, and the Lord said to him, I've been trying to get into that church for the last year. And the Lord Jesus said to him, there's no use for you to try. I've been trying the same thing for the last 16 years and failed every time. <laughs> they kept me out and they'll keep you out too. And wow. so what the what, what I saw in that, and I go back, and every one of the preachers and ministers from since, I mean, from a, a long time ago, all the way back to the 1700s on up to the Great Awakening, all the way up to this point in time, all the way up to the 50s, the church was a watchman. They were the watchdogs. They warned of stuff that was affecting the church in their time. It, a lot of it doesn't fit today, but they sounded the alarm, and they held back darkness, and they spoke the truth, and they warned people of things to come and they taught the truth and they did not back down and they were not cowards about it and so that little church on the hill thing people were tired of hearing that in the 1925s and they wanted to change i thought that was very interesting so, yeah so many people will try to build their name now once they get a little recognition once they get a little headway they'll mm -hmm. start thinking about hey i'm doing good they'll start trying to protect their little area but it's like god gave you that area yeah so you're trying to build it by by earthly means it's like He'll just take it. Yeah. So you don't really see the, the church on a large scale. Here and there, little ones, little places are doing it. But by and large, you don't hear preachings worrying, uh, talking about the new age, uh, why kids are, s are committing suicide. They don't address any of the issues that are going on about the rise of witchcraft. Well, what is this stuff? Oh, no, all you hear is all nice things. We don't want to offend anybody. And it's just the easy baker approach, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. They just want to bake you and cook you up what you want to hear to keep you there and they don't address anything and that basically, you know, the devil's having his day. Yeah. It's like my grandfather said in that message. <laughs> Did you ever get to meet him? Yeah, yeah, I, I was uh, about five years old when he died. Uh, he was in the Spanish-American War, so he was in an old soldier's home at that time. Wow. And I think it was Winchester. And so it's 1963 to give you how old I am. But anyway, 1963, I come in there and he was on his deathbed and he, he was an austere, he was a hard man, I was going to say that, he was a preacher, he didn't, no nonsense preacher. He came up to me and he looked at me and he grabbed me by my shoulder and my head and started, and he's had a, he had a mouthful of peas, he started spitting peas all over me, but he was praying for me, he was praying for me, he was uh, blessing me, is what he was doing at the time, it scared me <laughs> to death. <laughs> and all the nurses come down trying to pull him off, and he had such a grip on me, and then um, he just prayed over me. <laughs> Wow. I was too little to know what he was praying, but, you know, I know I was covered with peas. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of the Old Testament, you know, praying mm -hmm. over the kids. And mm -hmm. yeah, he just uh -huh. grabbed me and like that, and I was, you know, well, that was the last time I saw him. You know, he was older, you know, he was born in 1877, so in 1963, so he's up there in years, past 90. Wow. So, yeah. Well, it's been another great talk with you. Um, anytime you want to come on, let me know. This is this was great. I'm glad we got a lot of this stuff out there. Yeah, we just want to just warn people, you know, 
I got another guy that's interested now in doing another interview about this stuff because you come out of, um, a lot of people are coming out of these NAR churches or Bethel or these other places and they are beginning, they, they see things they have no one to talk to about and they've been traumatized or hurt by it. It's amazing some of the hurt. and. For me, it, it means something to me because when I first became a Christian, real briefly here, and I'll close with this, I didn't know anything. So I got I got enticed to go to this, this uh, church. It was a great church. Then the pastor left, and a new pastor came in, and he brought in the shepherding discipleship movement into the church and controlling your life to an untold degree. And I didn't know any different. I didn't know the Bible well enough. I was trying to study it and then got into stuff that I promised God I would never ever pick up and was the Word of Faith movement stuff he brought in. The real heavy duty stuff and E.W. Kenyon and the mind science stuff and I made a vow to the Lord I'd never ever do that ever again and so I was in conflict. So in the shepherding discipleship movement when you're in conflict with stuff you go before I call the Inquisition Board and they will sign you. Um, you know, they'll assign you at least two groups, two people, or a mentor to make sure you get right with the group. Because basically, shepherding discipleship teaches you that your shepherd is your leader or your God, and he controls you by the group. So if you let the group down, the group will have a couple of ministers out of the group who will get you back on track as long as you jump through these hoops. And so I had some people from Bethel and some other organizations who come back from the stuff and they say, you know, that happened to us. We start to disagree with it, and they wanted to sign me a counselor to get back right with them. I go, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I went through. And it's a terrible thing when you don't know the Bible very well, and you, you put all your stock, and you want to be in this group, and you sell out to it, and all this stuff. It's like, ooh. Um, like I said, goes back to what Alice Bailey said, you destroy the family structure, you weaken things, so you'll be susceptible to getting involved in a cult, basically. And that's, uh, that's what's happening in Bethel and some of these other places. If you rock the boat, they will discipline you or get you back in this stuff. And it's not of God. It's not of God. And so I lived through that. I'm going to be interviewing a friend of mine who came out of Sam Fife's stuff. That would be an interesting show. And so people, you know, you've been through this. You don't want to see other people go through it. You want to see them get out of it at all possible means. So, well, that's so, great. That, yeah, that's so people, really good. If, yeah, if people want to use these videos, Drew, to help them get out, so be it. They need to get out. Amen to that, yeah. Get away from the deception. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for coming on. It's All another right. great episode with you, as always. All right, we'll talk to you later, Drew. Talk to you next time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, and praise God for men like Brian Melvin. Thank you guys for coming out. It's been a great week, and stay rad. <laughs>